Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And as you can see, Wes is wearing the throwback apparel this week. The Packers will be in their third jerseys on Sunday afternoon at Lambeau Field against the Buffalo Bills. But, Wes, before we get to that, a little bit of... uh, A few items to clean up with regards to last Sunday's game and some rough news for the Packers on the defensive line. We found out on Monday from head coach Mike McCarthy that veteran D-lineman Muhammad Wilkerson ended up having to stay behind at a hospital in D.C. for a procedure on his injured ankle before he was able to uh, come back to Green Bay. And McCarthy didn't lay out any timelines, but a lot of media reports out there that this is a season-ending injury and a tough blow for the Packers' defensive line for a guy Mike Pettin had a lot of plans for him, was using him in a lot of different ways. Now they have to make do without him. It's tough, Mike, because you heard Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, they all talked about it on Monday, uh, just what he meant to that room. And what, I mean, when he's back, what he'll continue to mean to that room. But uh, just the presence he brought, certainly his resume, two-time All-Pro defensive lineman, had two t- seasons with more than 10 sacks, which is not easy to do at his position. Yeah. And the Packers had they had big hopes for him. I mean, you look at the way that Mike Pettin, who worked with him his first two years with the Jets, he had packages designed for him. He was playing like that hybrid defensive end outside linebacker role almost as a five-technique rusher mm-hmm. in that sub-base package. They used that quite a bit against the Minnesota Vikings to a lot of success in the first three quarters. And certainly he can also push inside and get pressure as a three-technique interior rusher. So to lose him uh, at, at this juncture of the season and, and listen to Mike Daniels, you know, he mentioned he sits next to him on the team flight, that was a tough blow for them, and it's something they're really going to have to you know, kind of rally around now and, and try to rebound from. Yeah, well, a couple of guys whose roles are certainly going to increase, guys who fall into that draft and develop category for the Packers. Dean Lowry, a fourth-round pick in the 2016 draft out of Northwestern. Montrevious Adams, a third-round pick in the 2017 draft out of Auburn. Um, Large conference guys. Lowry certainly has more experience thus far in his NFL career. We've seen him get a little more comfortable over his first couple of seasons with lining up in some different spots across the defensive line. And some of those run defense, base, more base packages, he's at the five technique on across from the offensive tackle. Sub, you know, nickel and dime, he's more of an interior pass rusher. Um, he's been effective, but now we're going to see potentially an increased snap load for him with Wilkerson being on the shelf. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you, you look at how this goes – Lowry, in a lot of ways, is a lot like Wilkerson. I mean, they're two completely different players, but, I mean, the way that they play the game and what they're asked to do in this defense is very similar. So in that way, it shouldn't be too far of a fall. He's six foot six, 296 pounds. He can play that five-technique defensive end when they need it, and they've actually played base quite a bit the first three weeks of the season. But then he can also push inside. As we saw during training camp, Mike, how many times you and I were standing out there and watching some of the one-on-one work and some of the half-line drills, he was getting a lot of push. I mean, he's put a lot of strength onto his body, and it's allowed him to, to be able to, I think, kind of complete his versatility. The other aspect of it, though, too, is that, you know, he only played 33 defensive snaps in the first three games, just, all right, first two games and got 24 last weekend in Washington. Yeah. 
there's an opportunity now with him being fresh and being ready to potentially be able to give a spark to that defensive front. The Packers felt good about this defensive line going back to February before Muhammad Wilkerson was signed and Montrevious Adams coming back from his injury. They felt good about it from day one. Yeah. Wilkerson added to it, but it is about getting back to the realization that, okay, if it's on us four again, you know, we can handle this. Yeah, and we saw the Packers certainly in the second half in Washington. They didn't have Wilkerson. He yeah. was he was out of the game by that point, and, and the defensive front seemed to adjust pretty well. Now, obviously, it took a while. If you look at the fourth quarter Minnesota overtime in the first half against Washington, it seemed like it took a while for the Packers' secondary to deal with the loss of Kevin King and and make adjustments there. So hopefully whatever adjustments need to be made up front, maybe not quite uh, so many growing pains. But again, we'll have to see. Things are things are week to week. It's it's a matchup based league, and uh, and we'll see what Buffalo brings to the table on Sunday. Absolutely, and it's going to be a stiff test for them, especially with the Buffalo coming off of that win against uh, the Vikings. There's going to be a lot of momentum built into that. But no doubt, one other thing I want to mention in the defensive line is Kenny Clark, and for my money, he's the best. He's played as well as anybody on that side of the ball uh, these first three games. I would agree. He's playing a lot. I mean, 81% of the defensive <laughs> snaps for the season, played 56 out of 61 snaps in Washington. He's 22 years old. He feels like he's fresh and ready for it. I'd have to imagine as the season wears on that Jerry Montgomery and Mike McCarthy are going to want to be smart with that. But he said on Monday if he's needed right now, He's up for the challenge, 16 tackles a sack and two pass deflections. He's looked good early on. Yeah, you take a look at what Kenny Clark has done against the run in particular, my What You Might Have Missed piece that is on our website. There's a handful of plays that are just his his technique in run defense, the two-gapping, being you know being able to shed the block to one side or the other, just been outstanding. And against Washington, he was doing it lining up on the nose, lining up at three-tech, lining up yeah. shading the, the center you know, in some different spots there and being effective. And in fact, it, it's not in my piece, but on the uh, the long 41-yard run by Adrian Peterson, the guy who got in the backfield was Kenny Clark. Yeah. Slowed that play down initially, but then Peterson was still able to bust it through when, when other guys couldn't make the play. He, he's been really, really impressive. In back-to-back weeks, I think he's been right up there at the team high in tackles. I mean, he's just he's been a mauler so far, and the Packers are going to need more of that if they got to go without Wilkerson. Yeah, well, we'll also have to see what happens on the Packers' offensive line. McCarthy did not have any updates on the back injury to Brian Balaga at right tackle, the shoulder injury to Justin McCray at right guard. So we'll see if one or both or none you know, will be uh, be playing on Sunday against Buffalo. The Packers essentially have three potential replacements for those two spots, Jason Spriggs, Byron Bell, Lucas Patrick. Uh, Spriggs pretty much just a tackle now, Patrick a guard, and Bell a guy who has played both guard and tackle. So we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, obviously with Aaron Rodgers still not fully mobile, dealing with the knee injury, any changes on the offensive line, and with Rodgers potentially not practicing and the way things have been going, there's a lot for the Packers to sort out on offense, and and as we've talked about, try to start these games a little faster yeah. because against both Chicago and Washington, the offense just got off to a really really slow start. Yeah, and protecting the football is going to be paramount too in this game against Buffalo. Ultimately, when you go back and look at what they did against Minnesota, I think that was the difference. <laughs> That's how they won the game. Yeah, yeah they, they they won the game with early turnovers, field position. They built a lead, and then they just hung on they from sat there. On it. So yeah. for the Packers, it will be important to start fast, and yeah, we'll have to see what form the offensive line takes. 
Spriggs. Again, I mentioned this in, I think, yesterday's show. I thought Jason Spriggs had really settled in by the end of training camp at left tackle. Now he's going back to right tackle again. He's talked about the challenges of that in the past, so if he's needed there. Byron Bell is a pro. I mean, he's played guard. He's played tackle in this league for a long time. Yep. Uh, he can handle that, and certainly Lucas Patrick gives you that guard to center flexibility so the Packers were really smart and the three guys that they kept behind that starting offensive line it was really good to be able to get the the starting five out there together and playing together for you know the first uh I guess it would end up being what 10 quarters two, but, yeah two and a half games but yeah. uh we'll we'll uh we'll have to see what form the week takes with, with the rest of those guys well the other change going on offensively for the Packers is the return of Aaron Jones sat out the first two games due to a suspension got in the game on Sunday 42 yards, I believe, on six carries. His first two carries went for 10 and for eight yards. Mike McCarthy had cautioned he was going to have a limited role first coming back after the time that he missed. And, uh, you know, Packers are in a good situation now at running back. You have all three of your options healthy. They all bring a little something different to the table. As I said in my post-game editorial, and I've repeated uh, you know, a couple of times in other places, I think the key now here for the Packers is to figure out what is the right productive mix in terms of ha- having an effective and productive rotation, right. but not crossing that line to where everything's be- everything becomes disjointed on offense because you're changing things around all the time. That's a, that's a fine line to walk. The Packers coaches will figure that out as, as, as we go along here. But uh, you know, I like the fact that all three of the backfield options are healthy and the coaching staff can, can you know, has, in a, in a way, a problem to figure yeah, out. Yeah, and it's weird, Mike. It just, it just hasn't really been the case so far. They're just Out of those three, it just seems like somebody's been nicked up. Or in yeah, the somebody's last always weeks, sitting out, yeah. Uh, Aaron Jones obviously being out with the suspension. So for the first time here, probably since the beginning when, when Williams and Jones were unproven, but... Packers have three legitimate options at that position. And breaking down uh, what happened in this game against Washington, Jamal Williams started the game, got 30 snaps, Ty Montgomery 20, and then Aaron Jones got 17. McCarthy has said in the past he'll ride the hot hand if it presents itself, but he's not averse to committee approaches. I know that doesn't make fantasy football owners (laughs) out there very happy, but it's true. And I thought this game, a lot of things didn't go well for the Packers in this game. I had no problem whatsoever with how the backfield was handled. 156 total yards, and I thought when you look at the production of Williams, Montgomery, and Jones all together in a vacuum, the three guys did everything that they do well, and the Packers were able to capitalize on that. As you said, it's going to be a balancing act. It's going to be a juggling act. These next games coming up to figure out, okay, you got Ty Montgomery. Here's what you can do with him. Here's the ways he can threaten and stress a defense. You know what Jamal Williams does in his consistency as a pass protector between the tackles runner and obviously the explosiveness of Aaron Jones. That is a lot of options to handle, but it's a good problem to have. And as I've said all along since the very beginning, I think that this offense can be at its best when all three of those guys are available and healthy and ready to contribute. Right, and it's about the long game right now. You have 13 regular season games to go. You have all three of these guys healthy and playing. You want to keep it that way for as long as you can. And you want to keep Aaron Jones healthy from the start. People are like, what? It was 17 snaps. He hadn't played in two weeks, and before that he was dealing with a hamstring injury. I mean, I get it. If you're playing Madden and it says, okay, this guy no longer has a hamstring and he's cleared to play, you're just going to use him every single down. It just doesn't work that way in right. the NFL, though. So right. I, I would imagine, if assuming everything checks out this well well with him this week, that 
could be in line for more opportunities. You just have to wait and see. Yeah, I would agree. Um, some sponsor business, though, Wes. It's time to enter the Cousin Subs Best Seats in the House promotion. You and a guest could win a chance to kick back on the 50-yard line in style. Two pairs of lucky Packers fans will be chosen prior to each home game for this VIP experience. Enter daily now through December 16 by completing the entry form and submitting. For complete rules and eligibility, go to Packers.com slash Best Seats Cousin Subs. We believe in better. Okay, Wes, on yesterday's show, we promised we would get to looking around the league yeah. a little bit at where things stand after three weeks in this topsy-turvy NFL. And the long and the short of it is out of 32 teams, three teams are 3-0, and three teams are 0-3, and, and 26 teams are somewhere in between. So you figure it out, okay? Go. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm going to start on the Bears. How about that? Okay. Uh, I said a week ago that that game against Seattle was going to be really important. And lo and behold, you see Seattle actually is able to get a win this week, so they got off the schneid. But the Bears, they get that win against Seattle, and then they go and squeak one out against the Cardinals. Coming suddenly, back from down 14 nothing right. on the road, by the way. Suddenly they come you're back to number one in your division. And yep. that's just how the NFL works sometimes. Some people ask me, uh, this question was asked, I think, two days ago in Inbox, is this the, the tightest the, the NFC North race has ever been? It was tighter last year. But, I mean, it, it <laughs> it's is. Three, it's, it's three games in. There's, yeah. so, there's, so much to get, there's so much to get sorted out. And for all the, all the Packers fans who are, who are like, geez, you know, the Packers are so close to, you know, to, to being 3-0 and or having an extra win, look at what the Chicago Bears right. are thinking. The Bears are like, if we don't blow a 20 to nothing lead at Lambeau Field, we're 3-0 and and sitting pretty on top of the division right. right now so there's it's it's early there's so much that uh there's so much that has to get sorted out but it, it looks like it's going to be a fun year yeah I think so and then you look at the NFC North or the NFC conference in general uh, you know the Tampa Bay finally came back down to earth a little bit the not saying Ryan's Fitzmagic ran out <laughs> but I mean you started to see some of the takeaways and turnovers that had, that have been kind of staples of of his game in the past when you live by the sword sometimes you die by the sword yep. they still kept in it with Pittsburgh who got a very big win for themselves oh yeah but you certainly yeah. from that regard and then obviously the shootout uh the Saints and Falcons and the offensive game. off onslaught in the NFC South it's going to be a fun year there's a lot of teams specifically in this conference that are going to be vying for playoff spots and and every game has meaning I mean that's at the end of the day if you're an NFL fan if you're a football fan that's what you're cheering for. Yeah, absolutely. And you just look at you look at the way Week Three went. Nobody thought Buffalo would go into Minneapolis <laughs> and beat the Minnesota. No, nobody yeah. thought they would win, let alone win by basically three touchdowns. Game? It was seventeen. <laughs> it's one of the it's it's one of the biggest God. one of the biggest upsets. It, you know, a seventeen point underdog on the road, and then. There weren't a whole lot of people that gave Matt Patricia a chance to beat no. his old boss on Sunday Night Football at Ford Field, and uh, that was no fluke win either. The Detroit no. the Detroit Lions clearly outplayed the New England Patriots. The Patriots now sitting at one and two. The Lions get off the schneid. They're they're at one and two. And hey, with everything else that was going on for them for two weeks, they sit there and go, "Well, the Bears are two and one at the top of the division. We're only one game out of first place." Right. Yeah, I mean, wh how else would you look at it? How quickly it turns, too, because you and I were talking about, okay, the Packers have Buffalo coming up in Detroit. And not saying that those still aren't winnable games, but the, the narrative changes a little bit. Absolutely. And also the fact that on Johnson ended the streak. They finally That's right. got a 100-yard yes. rusher in Detroit. So the la Their last one coming, actually, against the Packers. Reggie Bush. Reggie, Bu Reggie Bush, Thanksgiving Day 2013, that, that awful game for Green Bay when Matt Flynn – 
was filling in for Aaron Rodgers from his first broken collarbone. I believe the final score was 40-10. to 10. Yeah. And uh, that was when, obviously, it looked like the Lions were on their way to the division championship. And lo and behold, by between Thanksgiving and Week 17, it was suddenly the Packers against the Bears at Soldier Field for the division title, crazy? and the Lions had completely fallen out of it. But that was their last 100-yard rusher in a game. Thanksgiving 2013 against the Packers until Sunday night against the Patriots of all teams. Yeah, and I think that was the last 100-yard rushing performance of Reggie Bush's career too. So yeah, it was a it was a wacky game. Probably in terms of just the game in which the Packers lost, not talking about some inter- insurmountable comeback or anything like that is the craziest game I covered just because it was just the whole anything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong yeah. in that contest. I think the offensive line got banged up from what I recall. Yeah. But be that as it may, uh, in 2018, Matt Patricia, who I believe on the first play or the first series where they ended up kicking the field goal on fourth and short, got booed for like the fifth or sixth consecutive game or whatever <laughs> it's been at, at Ford Field. You just can't make people happy. But hopefully Detroit fans now uh, cut him a little slack because I, I think he said all the right things. He's done uh, what he's needed to do in that post. He's kept an even-keeled mindset. Matthew Stafford is one of the best in the business. I still maintain that. I love his moxie. I think he's proven himself over the years. Yep. And, yeah, it's at, the NFC North, for my money, is still, I think, the best con- division right now in football. I think it's going to be them and, and probably the South that are going to be competing for that honor this year. But it's going to be a fun year. It really is. Well, and there, there are some things to figure out with regards to the NFC West. Suddenly, Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco yeah. is out for the season. The Rams are 3-0 and on top of that division. The Seahawks get off the schneid. They get their first win of the year, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, really a a big game potentially for NFC implications coming up this Thursday night, Wes. The Los Angeles Rams against the Minnesota Vikings, and both teams banged up. The the Rams, their two starting cornerbacks, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, dealing with injuries. The Vikings hoping to maybe get Dalvin Cook back at running back, but then some personal and legal issues going on with Everson Griffin. So And... and, and, all of a sudden, Thursday night football, here's a pretty big game in the NFC, and you don't even know who's going to be out there. Well, this is what I love. It's like, because this is the whole Fox deal now, right? Right. They're in Fox. And suddenly, the Minnesota Vikings are playing the L.A. Rams in week four of a Thursday night football game. I'm used to, like, the being the Browns and the Jets or something like that, <laughs> and nothing's really on the line. This is a huge game. Yeah, and it's Fox, a huge Fox, Fox forked out some big money for this Thursday night package, and the schedule maker delivered yeah, for them because did. these Thursday night matchups this year are not what we're used to no, seeing. No, I know. And, like, this is this is Sunday night football. I mean, everybody knew what the Vikings and Rams were going to be. But that being said, this is a huge test for L.A. I saw that stat that they're 3-0, and but the teams in which they've beaten right now, other than the loss, are 1-5 combined. So this is – I mean, I get the Vikings right now are 1-1-1 as well, but – I still maintain that they're right up there with the top of the class in in this conference. Seeing how they can bounce back and rally back going on the road and seeing if L, you know, LA can hold serve and maybe try to get some separation in this conference. Big big implications all around. Yeah, definitely. Well, when we get to tomorrow's show, we'll start breaking down the Buffalo Bills a little bit looking ahead to Sunday. But for now, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com on Twitter. He's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.